Beards for Radio. The Beards for Radio podcast is sponsored by Farbar. Visit far-ebar.com to browse all of the products available. We're talking t-shirts, jackets, handbags, hoodies, flannels, reconstructed things. I can't even like put under words how original, creative all of the material we will find at far-ebar is. Farbar designs, stitches, does everything himself, and it's good to reward small businesses and hard work. So do us all a favor, visit far-ebar.com and do yourself a favor and your closet a favor and get one of these products now. Welcome everybody back to another episode of Beards for Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Sasha. And I'm Joe. And we're going to just, I don't know, hop right into the MSU-Michigan uh, battle. You know, the, the backyard brawl, the, the the fight for Paul Bunyan, so to speak. So Michigan won 44-10. Um, and I, I don't think it's much of a surprise, to be honest with you. Michigan State's kind of been declining the last few years, which is crazy because to see them come off a, uh, you know, a, a college playoff you know, um, appearance to like the next few years as being like, uh, like damn, like, downright basically a like a five hundred team, right? It's just like it's like almost like unheard of. It's like, it's like it, it doesn't make sense. There was like no gradual decline. It was just yeah. like cliff it's not, down. It's kind of reminiscent of like uh, the University of Miami back in the days. You know, when the U was rolling and then would take like a decade off. Right. You know. So. I, I, I like D'Antonio. I think he's done a great job there. But uh, there, there's there comes a time where everyone runs their course, and I think Dan D'Antonio's yeah. run his course. You know what I'm saying? And it's, you know, it, it's ahead. really difficult to be a great college football coach at the same place for a long time. And Mark D'Antonio has been at Michigan State a long time. There are only two other coaches in the Big Ten who have been at their respective schools longer than Mark D'Antonio, and I. I'd argue that neither of those two coaches, uh, Kirk Ferentz and Pat Fitzgerald, they haven't had nearly the success that Mark D'Antonio has had. So, yeah, there is definitely perspective that Mark D'Antonio has done more for Michigan State than any other coach has, including Nick Saban, maybe the greatest college football coach alive. Mm -hmm. But you can only hang on to the 2008 through 2017 seasons for so long. Like, it's crazy that in 2017 they went 10 and 3 when they really shouldn't have but that team was basically built out of freshmen and sophomores those freshmen and sophomores are now junior and seniors and they're looking at at best their second straight 7 and 6 season at best right and you know it's um i don't like it because even being a michigan fan i want there to be like a more you know, you, you you love the intensity of the rivalry. Yes, right. And you know, win or win or lose, I want to see such a great, memorable game. And over you know the what I'm past, saying, over the past seven weeks, Michigan State fans have just gone numb to it. I really don't know too many Michigan State fans who were very invested or very like up for the the game on Saturday, which was unheard of. Yeah, I don't think I don't think much of the much of the uh, players were up for the game as well. It seemed like no, I'd agree. 
Right. In, I, in, I think I think one Michigan State player can hold their head high, and that's Raekwon Williams. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like, they were in it. They were in it. It was, it was the time it was, like, 17, 17, what, 10. You guys were in it. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like, like, I don't know what happened, but I felt like after that interception from Thomas's interception, that right yeah. there started rolling from right there. And, and like, Michigan, it's just crazy from – from what they did at Notre Dame, which is was just crazy to me, I don't think they were going to happen to Notre Dame. What they do at MSU, it's just like, where have you guys been? You know what I'm saying? And like to me, it's almost like a hollow victory because I know what's going to happen at OSU. You know what I'm saying? It, I, it might even happen in Indiana. Indiana's sneaky good. So like, it's already it was already Big Ten championship and playoff or bust. It's been that way ever since Harbaugh's been here. That's the way I feel. You know what I'm saying yeah. so. It's it's like a hollow victory. It's not even like. It's, it, 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 you know, and Michigan State's not at their best. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like everyone knew it was going to happen. So it's like I'm, I'm not even looking at it as an impressive victory, you know what I'm saying, as much as, like, I I, I kind of feel bad for what's going on up in Lansing. Yeah, yeah you know, like, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page. Like, it's not a big win, but it's a day where you just kind of enjoy yourself. You know, like right. – it's probably stress free for any Michigan fan who watched it. Yeah, and like, and and no, it's not. It wasn't stress free because it even wasn't. though, <laughs> no, to me because everyone's like, oh yeah, well, Shea Patterson looked the best he, he did. Yeah, Shea Patterson looked like the best he did. Like, but I still saw he still didn't doesn't throw a good ball to me. But there was times where like he had McCune wide open down the middle of the field. It was like a fourth and something, man. And he like constantly underthrows his players, or he'll just like throw it up there. It's never like on the run. He doesn't lead his receivers, and it's not gonna take us past OSU. You know what I'm saying? It's not gonna take us into the Big Ten. That's that that kind of play to me. It's not gonna. It's not playoff worthy. It's not national championship worthy. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. even though he looked good, you know he. He looked good. Okay, I'll give you that. He looked good, but to me, I, I I look at the flaws, and I still see the same old Shea Patterson. I just see, I just see, you know, it, it actually being speed and space, like he said. Is it Shea or is it you know coaching, um, you know, moves that stuff that they fixed? I don't I don't know, but I just still still see the same old Shea. You know what I'm saying? And he, even though he played a, a more cleaner game, you want to say against State, I just don't see it working against uh, Ohio State. I could be wrong, but I love right. him. You know? And this is really what Michigan has done under Jim Harbaugh since he's been there. They've beaten up on the, the bad teams. And make no mistake about it, Michigan State's a bad team. That's the outcome we saw on Saturday. When you put the two teams on paper, that's about what you'd expect. Right. If you if you take away the uh, the uniforms and the history and you just put those two teams on paper – on the field, that's exactly how that game should have gone, in my opinion. And for me, uh, about Mark D'Antonio and the coaching staff, the biggest red mark for them is the fact that the defense is really one of the main reasons they're losing games right now. And it's it's on Mark D'Antonio for the fact that he didn't he did not prepare for the defense to be anything less than it was last season. And last season, Michigan State's defense was fantastic. One of his best defenses he's ever had. Probably 
top two or three in his tenure at Michigan State, which is saying a lot. Right. But as a coach, he didn't prepare the offense to be good enough to carry a team. He, he thought the defense <clears throat> is going to be just as good, if not better. The offense just doesn't need to be terrible like it was last year. The offense just needs to be slightly below average and will be set. And as a coach, that short sighting is such a failure on his part because you need to prepare for every type of situation. Right. He just did not anticipate the defense being this bad. And Mike Tressel, uh, he's just not the guy. He needs to be gone at defensive coordinator. He has the pieces for a great defense, and he just I, – I, I know he's been on the sideline for all of Mark D'Antonio's great years and all his great defenses, but he's like a total 180 of what Pat Narduzzi was as defensive coordinator. He has zero aggression in his defensive game plan. It's, it's such a far cry from Pat Narduzzi and his, uh, his comments of his, – his aggression and his comments about being how they try to play 60 minutes of – unnecessary roughness like that's what Michigan State's missing that Spartan dog mentality on defense right when it's third and 14 on Michigan's first drive and they're rushing three if if you force the three and out on Michigan's first drive it sets a bit of a tone where you kind of feel like you have a chance and they didn't they've given up several third and 14s and third and 15s third and 20s fourth and fourth and 17s the defense is People, the offense still isn't good by any measure, but they don't have the pieces. They don't have the Jimmys and the Joes. Hmm. But I do kind of like some of the changes that have been made on offense. They just don't have the pieces. But the defense is probably the biggest disappointment to me. Yeah, and especially especially Mark D'Antonio being a defensive minded coach, yeah. figured like uh, you know he'd be more in tune with what's going on with his defense. And his, his specialty has always been the secondary. <clears throat> he, he played defensive back. That's where he. He cut his teeth as a defensive back under Nick Saban. Uh, just, I can name dozens of great secondary players at Michigan State. Darquez Denard, Trey Waynes, Monte Nicholson, uh, so many players, Justin Lane. And now the, the secondary is just getting torn apart. And I just don't get it because their front seven is still a pretty good front seven, even without Joe Bocci. And there's just no blitzing. So – you're not being aggressive up front and you're expecting the defense to kind of hold coverage for longer than even a good defense would. Like when they had that 2013 defense, they were aggressive up front and they had Darquez Denard and Trey Waynes at corner and Isaiah Lewis and Curtis Drummond at safety. And all four of those guys could be on an Island against team's best receivers. Right. So yeah. No, and, and Mark D'Antonio is already kind of pushing the envelope saying he's going to be back for 2020. Uh, I don't know if that's 100% true, but he's got to know he has to make changes. And even if he is back for 2020, he's going to be facing the same question all, all of next season, especially if you see the same type of product on the field. Are you going to be back for 2021? Are you going to be back for 2022? It's going to be hard to recruit like that. So, right. no, the future of Michigan State <clears throat> football is not looking bright at all. And um, it's a damn shame because it was a beautiful – it was a beautiful 10 years that we had under Mark D'Antonio. It really was. Right, yeah. And, and I want to see him be a powerhouse because, you know, I, I like seeing the rivalry, you know. Uh, I, I still think 
I still think um, Harbaugh is still in the hot seat. You know what I'm saying? I'm on the Michigan end. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing after, you know, I guess everyone everyone says it's the second half of the Penn State game. They kind of, you know, something clicked with them. I don't know what clicked with them, but uh, I hope they carry it over into, uh, you know, this Saturday and next Saturday because I, I want to see them beat State. And I'm a, Ohio State, I want to see them beat them handily, but Ohio State's just, you know, it was, they're a monster, bro. They're one of the top five. It's hard to beat the top five. It's hard to crack the top five. So, um, but do I like what he's doing? Yeah. Do I think that, um, you know, Shay's the dude? I'll never think that Shay's the dude. I don't think he will be. But I, like I said, I hope he proves me wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, another another Michigan Michigan athlete like uh, um, Cassius uh, Winston proved me wrong. Great. Prove me wrong, bro. I love it. You know what I'm saying? So, I. I, I really like the way their wide receivers play, to be honest with you. Um, I still think they have a – there's a quandary at running back, you know what I'm saying, because they have Charbonneau, Hops, and, uh, you know, True Wilson, Hops, and Joe Haskins in. And I feel like, you know, they keep withdrawing from Charbonneau a little bit or, or they keep doing this, you know, three, three running back, you know, set, moving in and out. Sometimes these players don't really, like, find their groove. You know what I'm saying? They don't see their holes come to a little later. They'll read the defense throughout the throughout the you know yeah throughout the game, and then you you'll see them. They'll be more maybe more knowledgeable what's going on in the second half, this and the third. But I think he moves his running backs around a little bit more too much. I think he needs to you know have like a like more more of a I don't know a workhorse running back. You know what I'm saying that can you know get used to finding the holes and whatever and whatnot, but. I just think, I think there's a lot that needs to be done for Michigan. They, you know, they looked good the past few games. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's all about Ohio State. It's all about the Big Ten championship. It's all about you know, going to the college playoff. It has been since he came here. It needs to kind of still be like that. So if they can keep this upward trajectory where they're they're scoring a lot, defense offense is looking a little cleaner. Defense is looking a little more tight. You know, um, I'll take it. So it's kind of like a quandary. You know what I'm saying? It's like, on one yeah. hand, I like, I can't, I can't stand what I, you know, some of the stuff that's going on. On the other hand, it's just like, but they're winning, but they're not winning those games that need to be won to be like, oh, you know, yeah. so he got his, he got his first significant win against Notre Dame, you know, how many years into his tenure? So it's kind of like, you know, what Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines football program are going to be year in and year out. You know their ceiling is probably ten to eleven wins, and you know a decent New Year's Six bowl games, which is not a bad ceiling to have. And then you know the floor is probably somewhere between seven to nine wins, like we saw in two thousand seventeen, an eight win season. Um, you know the he might not, he might never beat Ohio State, like, and it's not from a. I think Michigan recruits pretty well. It's just that Ohio State. He is one of those programs that's up there with Clemson and Bama and Oklahoma. They can say they've been to the playoffs multiple times. You know, they can flash what, what, what will probably be three straight Big Ten championship rings. And they've got a young coach who's got just such a bright mind and adjusts his, his system to what weapons he has on offense. Um, yeah, like I just think we know what Jim Harbaugh is. It's just like if people – accept that as good enough or if people aren't happy with that but I, I i do feel like a lot of people are happy with what they have right and me personally i want more i want a lot more you know and 
Um, there's nothing, nothing wrong with it, but I just, no. I don't want to, I don't want to be like, oh, well, he has a 10 win season. Oh, we got the bowl game. Oh, we're okay. Money's rolling in. We're still a national brand. You know, I don't, I, I want more. I want more than that. And with Ohio State and like the, like we said, the top five teams that do it every single year, you know, you know what else they have? They have personnel. They have 40 yeah. to 54 five star recruits on each of their squads. So it's, it's also easy when you have the, you know, the top like 20% of, you know, uh, the greatest, the best players in the, in the country are going to these five. Yeah. You know, it's, teams, so. it's helpful when you have somebody like Urban Meyer who has an eye for not just football playing talent, but the football coaching talent that he can look at Ryan Day. And before Urban Meyer is even done, he tabs Ryan Day as the next head coach. Same thing with Oklahoma, you know, Bob Stoops, knowing he has somebody in Lincoln Riley on his staff and he retires kind of out of the blue. But he says, I'm handing it over to Lincoln Riley because I know what he can do. And what has Lincoln Riley done? He's got two college football playoff appearances and two Heisman winners. Right. So, yeah, just something that, that we probably want to see more consistently out of our head coaches. You know, we love them. They do, they do a lot. You know, I'm, I'm sure they, they care about their programs, but yeah. you know, either, either, and, either, you know, shit or get out of the swamp pretty much. Yeah. And nothing can take away what Mark D'Antonio has accomplished at Michigan state. It's just that you can only cling to the, the good old days of like five years ago for so long. And a lot oh, really? of people are losing sight. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. And then and really, you do, you're absolutely right. Are you going to be those those pretentious Michigan fans who are still talking about how Michigan beat OSU in like 1944, like <laughs> right after World War II? Like, no, bro. It's just like what's happening in the now and the present. Like, that's the most important thing because you'll never be able to erase history. I can't go no. back and take away, you know, trouble with the stamp. You'll never be able to do that. But you can you can try to overshadow it. You can try to tuck it away with a bunch of wins and uh, blowouts, you know, and do that, you know. So I, I'm more concerned about what's going on, man. But yeah, so I, I'm seeing more Michigan State fans being that way, Joe. And I feel like so this is what the heck <laughs> ever. This is what annoying, they're talking right? about. Yeah, yeah, this is what they're talking about. But me, I was never like that. But it's starting to get like that. So I'm starting to see a lot of Michigan State fans, and it's just it's not becoming of anybody to act like that. So no. Um, you mentioned Cassius Winston uh, earlier about one of the athletes who kind of proved you wrong. Um, we just want to offer our condolences, thoughts, and prayers to uh, Cassius Winston and his family and uh, everybody around him. We know it's a, it's an awful situation to lose a, a brother, especially a younger brother, especially to uh, something so terrible as depression. So, um, right. And um, I just. I relate to Cassius Winston a lot in this. Like a lot of, I've heard it a lot over the last couple of weeks. Like oh, I can't imagine what he's going through. It's like I, I can to a certain extent, but not to the point where there are millions of eyes watching me, right. watching my every move in public. You know, like I've suffered great loss in my family and in my, not just my like blood family, but my family that I choose. You know, but right. I was able to. Get, recover and kind of suffer those moments in private and Cassius Winston he was already tabbed as the you know unanimous all-american preseason player of the year like all the accolades which were well deserved but you know for him to uh have played in all three Michigan State games following that especially the one uh the day after his brother's death um 
you just can't say enough about this kid. No, no, most definitely. But, um, and um, yeah, had, you, you, go ahead. They had ahead, a Joe. hell of a win over Seton Hall, a road win over a top 15 team where a lot of stuff wasn't really going right for Michigan State, but they they just have that winning DNA. They got that sweat equity of their key players having played together for two to three years. And, yeah, they pulled out that game, which thank God for Michigan State fans that Michigan State pulled out that game last week against Seton Hall. Yeah, but they have, you know, great leadership in Cassius and, you know, in Xavier uh, Tillman. And, you know, to double back what you said about what that dude's went to, like, you know me, Joe. When we first started going to school together, I'm like, I don't like the guy. He's awkward. He runs weird. He has a hunch in his back. But I can honestly say in the most recent friggin' memories that I can – all the years I've watched college, I have not seen a player come full circle like Cassius has. And that's, you know, that's, like, straight from the heart, dude, like, I can admit what I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. This kid has honestly t- take leaps and bounds from every single season where I've watched. You know what I'm saying? So, like, and, and not only that, it's just like, what a good kid. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, you're right. In the wake of what happened, he still goes out there. You know why? Because that's all he knows, man. This is how people cope with things, right. that, you know, when they're like that. Some people, no, they'll, they'll, they'll step back and want to be with a family or, like you said, be go at their grievances alone. You know what I'm saying? So, like, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm so with you on that. You're just such a good kid, dude. And like, I was wrong, man. That, that, that dude is, he's, he's a, he's a bad mother. I, I want him to be running point for me on my squad, most definitely every, any single time. And you know, and he's a good leader and he's likable. And yeah. I was wrong. I was wrong. And, I, and I'm not. I I'm not gonna. It. I'm not gonna be like uh, like Saul Zider and be like, I told you so, you know, all that type of shit. <laughs> no, go ahead. Beat but me. If, if I'm you, a dead horse on the ground, Joe. If you listened to us before the Kansas game last year, you guys would have known that Cassius Winston was due for a big year in 2019. So, if you guys had listened to us, you would have known. But, mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, Stephen Bardo of the Big Ten Network was calling their game against Binghamton the day after Zachary's death, and he just said, guys, if you're a Michigan State fan or not, you got to watch as many games, as many Michigan State games as you can because it's not often you get to see a player like Cassius Winston with all this at his disposal. And that's true. Like, I'm normally not one that that is like, oh, I got to catch this game against Charleston Southern. I got to catch this game against Binghamton. But when you have this player in his senior year and you know it's going to be special no matter what, like – there have been times where Michigan State has had special teams and I've watched, but I've kind of been like stressed because I'm like, it's a final four or a national championship or bust and didn't enjoy the ride. Right, right. now, I'm just enjoying the ride. Like, right. You, we have no idea what's going to happen between now and Selection Sunday. We, we know even less about what's going to happen after Selection Sunday. So if any, right. it, it, any Michigan State fans or any Michigan fans watching, just – don't worry too much about the outcome. Just enjoy the ride right now. For both right, our absolutely, teams. absolutely. I think I think his brother's death death kind of puts that in perspective for a lot of people. You know, what I'm saying like, here's a kid who who's supposed to who's starting out this season being perennial like that guy, and yeah. you know, you know, you know that term. You got everything thrown at him, even the kitchen sink. 
Well, he got the kitchen sink thrown at him first. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was one hell of a blow to come into your season with. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, bearing any kind of family tragedies, it, it should kind of be easy for him now. You get what I'm saying? Because, you know, that go, getting through that, you yeah. know, you can – you and playing here, you can get through anything. Like I said, enjoy the ride, you know what I'm saying? Because here's this kid who lost, lost tragedy. You know, I mean, lost – went through tragedy, we're just fans of this game. You right. know what I'm saying? We're just fanatics, dude. This is real life. And to and see it, a kid, like, go through that and then use basketball as this, and we are we can't take it that serious sometimes. So you're yeah. right. You know what I'm saying? And, enjoy the ride. And he did address the, the Michigan State crowd the other night after their, their win over Charleston Southern, which was nice to see. It was his first time making any, like, public type of comments, which was cool. Um, I knew going into the season that I wanted to purchase a Cassius Winston jersey. I'm proud to say that I have bought one, and I'm just awaiting shipments. <laughs> so excited to add that right next to my Gary Harris jersey. But oh, it, his jersey will be up in the rafters, bro. I think he's oh, that spe- yeah. he's that special of a player and left that much of an impact on not only the court but the school as well. You know what I'm saying? On the, right, on, and on the name of the school don't... as well. A lot of people don't know he was in the courtroom during the Larry Nasser trial. Like he had some kind of um, courtship or internship, so he was there to experience that. And you know, wow. in the in the waking hours of that, ESPN and a couple other uh, quote unquote journalistic uh, <laughs> journal journalism people, you know, a, a lot of programs tried to kind of build off of that Larry Nasser situation and, you know, kind of attack Tom Izzo for some, so they, they, they like levied a lot of half truths at him. You know, it's, it's in the past. Yeah. We don't really need to get into it, but Michigan state was like looking for a leader. And a lot of what we heard back then was that Cassius Winston was kind of like the, the main speaker in the locker room. And he was just a sophomore back then, but yeah, right. well, it, I mean, um, down in Ann Arbor, we got a, a new coaching tenure as well, if you want to talk about uh, Juwan and your boys. Yeah, um, you know, like I said a few casts back, you know, they're 3-0 right now. Um, they still got to play, I believe, like Elon Friday, something like that. I believe it's Elon. Uh, and then – or the Huskies. They play the Huskies, a like Houston, yeah, Houston Baptist something. that's it. Right, they play the Huskies. They played Elon. They, they won against Elon. And then – I think their biggest test is going to be coming from the Iowa. I believe it's the day, the the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and then on, on the third, when they're supposed to get uh, uh, Franz Wagner back, is when they play uh, Louisville. So I think it's kind of, you know, it's still, it, it's up in the air. Okay. Yeah. It, it, there's no def- definitive decisions. What's going on? I just want to. I really want to see how they play against um, uh, Iowa. Iowa State and Cyclones and uh, what you call it? Uh, I believe it's the, uh, Louis- the battle for Louisville. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, Louisville. So, like, from what I see, like, um, what what game did I watch? Man, they were just blowing a team out the water, and they let them come back. Like, they were up it like was, twenty something, and let them come back. I forget what team it was. It was Appalachian Louis- State of all teams. Yes, it was like of all teams. Of all teams, <laughs> it's got to be App State, right? Right, right. So, like, like I. <sighs> Like I said, I'm I'm not expecting much from this team. I'm not expecting much. It's a new it's a new you know regime takeover. I understand that, but I just I, all I want to see them is go out there and compete. 
and and play from whistle from, from the start to end. I, I don't want them to stop. I want them to play to the whistle. You know what I'm saying? I just I, like I said, I don't expect a lot out of him. I just yeah. want to see what what he has, what what he's building over there, and um, I'm willing to give him two, three years. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. It, no, nothing to expect. I, th- I think it's you can look more to the teams that have you know their 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 schools and their programs established, like the Kentuckys, like uh like the Stammy Kentucky lost to Evansville, crying out loud. They almost <laughs> last they almost lost last night some uh, <clears throat> or two nights ago to some, some uh, yeah some some school that's getting paid a million dollars to. <clears throat> to come play to against Kentucky's them. gym. Yeah. Absolutely. Kentucky on paper looks kinda kinda good, right? But yeah. they've kind of faltered after the Michigan State win. They've been falling off. So that's the beauty of basketball. It's the beauty of American basketball. There's pockets of there's pockets of uh you know good schools everywhere. And some of those schools they find these guys that are that are overseas and they, they'll bring them in. So you know th- this time of year basketball, you know, you kind of see you kind of get it. But we're not going to really see it, at least on our end, until, you know, probably like December, January. You know, that, that that's when I, I start seeing what these teams are actually made of. So, Michigan, not expecting too much out of them. Love Juwan Howard. Want Xavier Simpson to, to take over. I want to see him shoot a little bit more. Tusky, I want to see him be a little stronger on the inside. I said it last uh, last year. I think really the X factors are are if Brooks can shoot good and uh, and Livers can do – what he needs to do from, you know, the perspective of one through four, because I think he can play all those positions in college. But, yeah, um, like I said, I'm not expecting much. I know I said that like five times, but I love Michigan basketball. I'll be watching Michigan basketball. I'll be cheering for Michigan basketball, and I hope it just goes nothing but up, man, because with Michigan, if Michigan basketball falters, Michigan State football falters, we're going to have some crappy in-state rivalries in the next couple, upcoming years, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's going to be back to the old days. Right. Yeah. So. Anyways, we're about to come up on the mid-season finale of The Walking Dead Season 10. And there's not really too much to talk about on The Walking Dead angle, but it did get me thinking about this theory I've seen recently. And we had the El Camino movie come out recently. Um, Sasha, there's a theory that the Breaking or The Walking Dead takes place in the same universe as Breaking Bad, two AMC shows. What's your thought on this? Yeah, so when you brought that up, I was like, you know, pulled out like Tim <laughs> Allen and friggin' uh, Home Improvement yeah. improve or whatever. But um, as I was reading into it, it makes sense. So Walking Dead is the sequel to Breaking Bad. And um, uh, it, it makes sense because like the first one that the the, the first th- part of the theory was is that um, Heisenberg bought that Challenger for his son, right? Yeah, and he bought it from that auto dealership. And he bought it from a a, a guy named Glenn, and Glenn, uh, you know, they showed Glenn right. That's that's like the same so car. Many Easter eggs and homages that The Walking Dead pays to Breaking Bad, right? But I think the two the two that really got to me was the fact that when uh, Daryl went and got Merle's stash of drugs and stuff, there was sky blue meth in the stash. Right. That was and the they showed second, it a few times. Second episode of season two, 
he pulls out that bag. I believe Breaking Bad was still on the air too, which right. is just kind of like, <laughs> which, you know, as they state in the show, meth is not usually blue. Like now it might be because people are trying to like replicate that. But <laughs> yeah, that was special to Breaking Bad at the time. Um, and, and the fact, and the fact that he's, that uh, Merle said, Daryl said Merle's uh, drug dealer was this crazy little white dude who always used the term bitch. You know yep. what I'm saying? So, like, he described friggin' Jesse Pinkman to a T. You know what I'm T. saying? So that that part was also like, ah, that's, that's great. You know what I'm saying? And then this one isn't technically The Walking Dead, but it's the same universe, Fear the Walking Dead, you know, the spinoff. Yes. Um, when we see the song that was written specifically for Heising- Heisenberg, Negro yep. Azul. Right, right. The, the Ballad of Heisenberg. The Ballad of Heisenberg, that's it. Appeared during season three of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, and it wasn't even hidden. Like, it was it was loud and clear, which is hilarious that that song that only exists in Breaking Bad, because of Breaking Bad, would now be played during Fear the Walking Dead. Right. And, and, that, and that song was actually made. It wasn't like a song that they plucked out of, like, uh, uh, a, a Mexican, you know, what do they call it? a mariachi band? It was like yeah. a mariachi band catalog. That song was made for Breaking Bad. It was made for Heisenberg. It was made for him. So it's like that to me is the most definitive, you know, one of them all because it was made for him. It was made for that show, and now they're playing it in the freaking Mexican Mercado. Come on, no way. Yeah. Um, all right. So I got some rapid fire ones. I'm just going to throw at you. You give me a yes or a no. Okay. Okay. So Milton, uh, who worked with the governor in uh, Woodbury, had the same coffee machine that Gail had in the underground factory. Hmm. It looked like the same prop was used, but he, he wasn't using it to make coffee or anything. It was just kind of there. Okay. Kinda like, if you see it, you see it. Right. right. Here's one. The first zombie was Gus, Gus. Spring. Yes, I read that one. And it yep. kind of makes sense, too, because it's like, you know, because he got blown up and he turned around and he was dead, but he's walking, no face, zombie, walking dead, ha, ha, ha. You know, so, right. yeah, I kind of <laughs> get that. I get that. Um, Blue Sky Meth caused the zombie apocalypse. Yes, I read that one as well. Um, I don't know. I, th- that means everyone would have to be hooked on meth or just the meths, the meth people turn into zombies and bit everybody. Like that's a, that's a good one too. I, I, you know, uh, can't put it past it, but I, I would say I would lean heavily on no. I think it was more of like a, like a, I don't know, like a, a government thing that happened. Okay. Um, this one is, is kind of out there. I'm just coming across this one online. But the character in The Walking Dead that most represents Walter White would be Negan. Yes and no. Okay. I kind of get it. I kind of get it because they both, like, they had like they were model people before, you know what I'm saying, and then like something happened in their life where they absolutely snapped. I just don't see Walter White as 
bravado and charismatic as Negan. Well, yeah, you know Walter saying? White's a little more low key, whereas Negan is so brash. He's kind of in your face, uh, which right. we're seeing again in the in the new season, which is refreshing. But here's a quote from uh, Scott Gimple, the showrunner of The Walking Dead. Um, somebody asked him if Negan is going to be more despicable than the governor, and he says he's charismatic friendly and even empathetic at times however he's also completely in control knows what he's doing is merciless and you can't convince him to change his mind sound like anyone else we know yeah i get it it's a bit of a stretch but right right i get it i i get i get where they're playing the angle at but i just think that like Heisenberg or Walter White is like serious all the time. He's not like right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but he's, like, but he's manipulative. Like, most definitely he's manipulative. He, but he's like he twisted pretty, manipulative. Right. When he pretty much straight up killed Jesse's girlfriend. Um, what's her face? Uh, Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. That's her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't tell Jesse until like the very end. You know. Um set up Jesse to kill Gail and was kind of toying. Like he basically got uh, his brother-in-law killed as well. But Right. What about, what about the little kid who he gave a uh, uh, milk of, or poppy of the Valley to got yeah. him sick and then blame it on the little ricin caplet in the cigarette that, that uh, Jesse found in his DJ Roomba thing. Like that right. was like, you're right. I, I can see that, but like, he's a, he's a little more behind the scenes. Whereas Negan is just, just kind of, in your face with it. Yeah, like he's he's cooking Carl spaghetti and making dinner, you know, and then when Rick shows up all pissed off, he's like, I don't know what you're mad at me about. I made your kid spaghetti and all this stuff. Right, right, exactly. So I, I can see that one, but I'm going to go with a no, hard no for me. I respect that. Um, and then this one is just more of kind of an homage, but uh, the lady, the one of, one of Walter White's last kills, he kind of did her with the Ryson was Lydia, and we hear. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but uh, oh, Todd, we hear Todd's cell phone ring, and it's Oh Lydia, the tattooed lady song. And obviously, there's a pivotal character now in The Walking Dead Lydia, daughter of Alpha, the skin, uh, the whisperer leader. And uh, in one of her backstory episode she's kind of cradling Lydia and singing the same song Lydia the Tattooed Lady right so some some of these are just kind of easter eggs or homages but some of them like the blue meth and then um the song the, the song yeah those are probably the two most prominent to say like hey these are the same universe man and you know you know what's crazy too you know what I read too is that the reason why a lot of networks do the uh, like the shared universe is because they can they can reuse props. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Which kind of like kill the luster of it too. Like, oh, they're doing it to save money, or they're doing it to be like, let me blow my fans' minds. You know what I'm saying. So I was like, oh, I hope that's not why they do it, but I can see why they would do it that way. Yeah. But so, um, but that that was yeah. That's most. Uh, it's just crazy. I would 
And I think some AMC people came out and said, yeah, they're in the same universe, you know? So um, I, I just think, I just, if they do it, I hope they do it for reasons to just be, just, you know, to blow fans' minds and to get people thinking, you know, even after, you know, the series have died off and are done, you know? Yeah. Um, so one last quick topic before we wrap this episode up uh as we currently sit here on november 20th the defending the five time defending western conference champions golden state warriors sit at i believe three and 12 is their record and we know clay thompson's out for the year steph curry is out for most of if not all of the year and draymond green has been dealing with some injuries he's playing right now but Sasha, this is kind of a unique situation, but if you're the Warriors, do you just straight up tank for this one season and try to get the best possible draft pick? Yes. I, I agree. Because this isn't like a full rebuild. You know you're going to have Clay next year and Steph and Draymond. Um, you know, they've had well-documented issues at the five position. You know, maybe they can add a a, a great big man in the next draft. Um add some young blood to play with them. No, I agree. And that's exactly what position I would go for would be a five or a four. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Cause, because Draymond can do his thing at four, five, four, three, two, one. He, Draymond can do it. I mean, they started yeah. him at point guard the other night. So to yeah. me, I, I think you're absolutely right. The uh, bomb, get the, get the best, get the best center, the best big man, you know, that would fit your scheme. And then you got, you, they still got young players around them. These young players are, you know, if they, they play through the year, you got, you know, Pascal, they got, what's his face, Jordan Poole, you know what I'm Ooh, saying? Glenn Robinson, the third. So it's like, so D'Angelo they can, Russell is also D'Angelo Russell. Now. Right. That's what I'm saying. D'Angelo could run to one, you know, he, chef can run two. one and two can kind of even like blend into each other at times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Clay can run the three. You know, uh, Dre can run the four, and find yourself one stud big man, dude. Right. You can, you know, so do it all. Let's say they get Vernon Carey Jr. out of Duke. Okay. Um, like why? I it's it's very unlikely just with how competitive the West is that you're gonna make the playoffs at this point. So yeah, I would say full tank it, and it's not gonna be like one of those long term tanks. It's not a full rebuild because. Mm-hmm. You got all your franchise players. They're just not able to play right now. Right. You know, absolutely. I, and I think, I, I think D'Angelo and, 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 you know, Draymond are going to kind of get, you know, more accustomed with each other. These young dudes think God Draymond is there because Draymond's got to probably kind of drill into his head how, you know, how they rose up to success the way they kind of did it. The Golden State Warriors way of playing basketball per se. So I think yeah. I think that's a good thing having Draymond being healthy this year and kind of corralling these young cats. So when Steph and uh Clay do come back, man, you know, they'll they'll be, be a force to reckon with. So yeah, I think you I think that's what I would do. I would tank this year, you know, and, and get yourself a stud. Get yourself a stud big man and then you run run from there. Come back strong next year. But yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Tank. I think we're on the same page there. Um, so I believe that wraps it up for this episode. We got to the Michigan-Michigan State football game, uh, just an absolute drubbing by Michigan. Um, <laughs> if you need more in-depth 
analyst analysis of uh, that game or any other Michigan, Michigan State stuff. I do have another podcast called the Paul Bunyan Podcast. I do with a, a friend of the show, Mike. Uh, we just uploaded that a new episode early this morning. And uh, Sasha, you can catch him on his other show. Yeah, uh, Talking Shoot on Sundays, CRBRadio.com, or you can go get the app, CRB Radio app. And uh, that wraps it up for this episode. So, so yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, rest in peace, Smoothie. R.I.P. You know? Smoothie, yeah. It's a good way to end it right there. Absolutely. See you guys later.